I'm so glad you guys are here today. Uh, obviously, whether or not this is your church or regular here, whether you're exploring your faith, uh, whether you're getting baptized today, or if maybe you are friends and family. Let me just say this, because we all agree. If you're friends or family today that came along to watch somebody, maybe this isn't your church, or maybe this isn't even your belief system, but if you came here to support somebody, can we just celebrate people who are like that? That's amazing. That's what friends and family are supposed to be about. And uh, when I meet people like that, I always just want to congratulate because uh, that, that means that you're one of those people who are actually supportive. And that's what we need out of friends and family is people who say, I don't know if I believe everything you do, but you know what? I'll be there with you because I love you. And that's what it's all about. So today we're going to talk about this thing called baptism. And you might be, depending on what your background is, either very, very familiar with this and be like, cool, I got this. I know this. Or you might be thinking, I have no clue why they have a pool on stage. What is going on, right? You'd be like, why are these people so excited about this weird thing called baptism? They have a pool sitting on their stage. What is this? What is it all about? Well, that's what I'm, my hope today, as far as what I want to bring to you guys before we jump in and, and watch these baptisms, participate in them. I want to do two things. One, I want to give you a grasp, at least, of baptism to some extent. And two, I want you to figure out where you line up with baptism. And here's what I mean, okay? All of us sit in one of four chairs when it comes to baptism, okay? I know your mama told you you're one in a million. Turns out you're just one in four when it comes to this. Um, But you sit in one of these four chairs in relation to baptism. And here's why it's important, okay? This is why I want you to pay attention to what we're going to talk about. Whatever chair you sit in in regards to baptism is going to dramatically affect the direction of your life. I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I think this is really, really important stuff. And whatever chair you sit in, and it's okay whatever one you sit in, it's going to dramatically affect the direction of your life. So it's important today you find out which chair am I sitting in. So to talk about this thing called baptism, we have to go back uh, a few thousand years because people would say, why do Christians believe in this thing called baptism? What's it about with this whole pool that you're dunking people in? We end up finally first seeing this word at the beginning of the New Testament when a guy named John comes on the scene. This guy named John shows up. Some people call him John the Baptist. That's not because he was Baptist by denomination. That was because he baptized people. Um, but he, he shows up and it's kind of this crazy, weird guy who lives out in the desert and he's telling people that you you need to turn from your sin. You need to focus in on God because there's another guy coming who is way more important than me. And really soon, the kingdom of God is going to be here. And it was kind of this weird nebulous thing. But he says, trust me, you need to get your, your relationship with God started off in the right direction. So what he told people is, turn away from your sin. Stop sinning, okay? And two, come and I'll baptize you. And the word shows up in, the, in those texts for the very first time. Now that word baptize that's used in our, our Bible, the original Greek text, is the word baptizo. And it's not some sort of holy or religious word. Baptism isn't some sort of like religious ceremony that was created by some like cardinal somewhere thousands of years later. It literally just the word that means to be submerged. If, if there's a, a ship out on the water and if the waves crash over it and fill it up with water and it would sink, they would say that ship was baptized. That's the translation. It's not some sort of fancy word. In fact, I mean, to be honest with you, right, different translation, different universe, right, maybe different possibilities, we might be celebrating dunking this morning. Same thing. We take people in, we dunk them underneath the water. It's nothing holy about the word. He says, we took them out and we would dunk them in the water. And people go, why did they do that? Well, I think it actually makes a lot of sense in the culture where John was at at the time, because... When he was there, what was really common was that people who ended up being like healed, like they were sick and then they got better, they would go and they get checked out by the priest. 
And if they said, yeah, you're good, you're good to go, man, you're not sick anymore, they would tell them, go down to the river and dunk yourself in the river to symbolize the cleansing that God just brought on your body. To celebrate, to to symbolize what God had done. Wash yourself once in the river and you will be clean. So I think he was connecting it to kind of a cultural thing at the time of saying, it's like God has made you clean from your sin, so we, we dunk you in the water to symbolize what had happened. So John shows up and he does this, but the reason why we are talking about it is because Because right after John, this other guy shows up. And this other guy, way, way, way more important, obviously really, really changed the world. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name was Jesus, okay? Pretty important, okay? Uh, A lot of books have been written about him. A lot of songs have been written about him. In fact, more than anyone else. A lot of paintings have been done of him. He changed the world. And when Jesus showed up, he showed up and he not only was just like a good teacher. He wasn't only just like, oh, he's a, he's a wise prophet. Oh, he's a, he's a magician who's doing all this crazy stuff, right? Jesus shows up and he does something kind of divinely uh, different than everybody else. Jesus shows up and he says, it's not just that I'm a teacher, not just that I'm a healer. He says, I am the son of God. He actually says, I'm not just another teacher. I know that 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 might be what you think. I'm actually the son of God. In fact, in one verse, one time, just to make sure people understood why he was here. John 14, 6, he says this to his disciples. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I actually came here to be a path to restore your relationship with my Father, who is God. And Jesus ended up showing up, and that's the whole reason. Some of you guys thought Jesus showed up to start a religion. Some of you guys thought Jesus showed up, you know, to kind of like make a, make a movement. It wasn't. He showed up because he said, I came on a rescue mission to bring you back from your sin. The way that, that, that the, the New Testament talks about it is basically it's pointing towards the idea that all of us sin. And sin is just a word that means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. It means we fall short of perfection. And of course, all of us do. We fall short of our, our own standards, let alone God's standards, right? We don't even keep up with what we want to say. We're like, I'm going to do this and we don't. I'm I'm not going to do that. And we do, right? So of course we fall short of these standards, but they said, you know, the problem with this sin, this missing the mark is that it all kind of racks up this, this debt. One of the verses actually says the wages of sin, what gets paid for all this sin is death. And the Bible points to that the universe is set up that at the end of our life, this sin, it not only cancels out this life where we die from this life, we continue on in an eternal death past this life to pay off the debt of all the sin. But this is what gets so awesome, okay? Jesus says the reason why I came was because I came to pay for all of that sin. The reason why Jesus came is because he lived this perfect life. And when he went to the cross to die, he had no sin, so he couldn't die. So he carried someone else's sin. And what Jesus did is, as the Son of God, he carried the sin of the entire universe, of the entire world. And with his death, he paid for it. And three days later, resurrected to prove that there was more righteousness in him than sin in the world. And he's kind of this depiction of not only the fact that he paid for all of our sins, but then he's our depiction of afterwards that we can live eternally. That Jesus left this world and went to heaven, never died again, and set the standard for us. So the reason why we're talking about baptism is because this guy, who changed the world, absolutely shifted it, the Christ, Jesus, he talked about baptism. 
First of all, he was baptized by this guy named John. He shows up, he gets baptized. So people go, that's weird. He got baptized and people kind of follow along with him. He told his disciples, when you guys have people who start following me, right? When they start following after me and believing that I really am the son of God, do me a favor, teach them what we we believe and then baptize them. And in fact, all the people who follow after Jesus, all the disciples who come after him, all the people who started the church afterwards, whenever somebody would, would step from their old life into this new life of following after Jesus, they were baptized in water as the symbol of what had happened. So the reason why we continue it is because Jesus said it was something important. Now, this is where stuff can get off-centered. Because what people can do is they can think, okay, so baptism is part of that rescue. It's part of that salvation that Jesus brought, right? So you, we give our lives to Jesus. We, we ask Jesus into our lives. We put our faith in him, and then we're baptized, and then we're good, right? But see, that's not right at all. Because the Bible points over and over towards the picture in the New Testament and the writings of these disciples, the idea that Jesus and Jesus alone is the only answer for salvation, That we can't say there's anything else because if we were to say it was Jesus plus baptism, it would mean that Jesus wasn't enough. And he was fully enough. We don't do something else on top of it. It's only Jesus. It's only trusting in him. That's it. In fact, there was a situation with this guy named Saul one time. Saul was a guy who absolutely hated Jesus, despised him. He was a Jewish man. He thought that Jesus was a troublemaker. He was ruining his religion. And in fact, he was going out to find people who believed in Jesus and have them rounded up and have them killed to try to put down this whole new movement of following after Jesus. On his way to this other city, all of a sudden, Jesus says that he he literally takes and he sends his spirit down from heaven to appear before Saul. It knocks him off his horse. It blinds him temporarily. And Jesus speaks to Saul and says, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus, the one who you're trying to stamp out. So he's shaken, right? I mean, he literally, he goes, he's blinded. He goes into the city. It says he doesn't eat for three days. Probably we wouldn't eat for three days too, right? If we had that experience, we'd be like, yeah, that one messed me up, right? I'm temporarily blind. I don't know if I'm ever going to see again, right? And all of a sudden I heard this, this voice from heaven and God sends this other man named Ananias. And he says, would you go and pray for Saul? Man, he's seeking after me. He's focused his life in on me because he realized I really am God. I need you to kind of kick him off in the right direction for his calling. Pray that he'd be healed. And all of a sudden he does. These these scales fall from his eyes and he can see. He says, and then pray for him as he goes into this calling. And listen what he says because he mentions baptism. But it's so great what he says. It's in Acts 22, 16. This is what Ananias says to him from God. He says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by, and look it, he doesn't say being baptized. He says, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. He says, get up, be baptized. That's the next step you need to take. But make sure we don't get this twisted, right? Um, You're not being baptized to have your sins washed away. He says, no, you have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Of the Lord. And, and Paul, he got this. He got this. That's why his life changes because he put his trust in Jesus. Jesus died for him. Jesus did all the work, but he had to put his trust in Jesus. And the baptism wasn't what saved him, it was that next step. And listen, we know Paul got this because he wrote about this to other churches that he planted later on. Listen how he, he kind of makes sure people aren't getting off base when he wrote to a church that he planted in the city of Ephesus. Ephesians 2 8 through 9, he says this God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So none of us can boast about it. 
He says, listen, we can't do something to earn salvation. And see, that's what it would be like. If baptism was, was salvation, you'd think, oh, so you do this religious ceremony and then you're good with God. And he says, no, 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 no. The only reason why we're good with God is because of what Jesus has done. And it's just by faith. Nothing we can do. Because if we could do it, then we could boast in thinking we made a right decision, right? All we did is we just put our trust in Jesus. That's it. And he points towards the fact, which is so important for us to remember, that salvation doesn't come from baptism. Baptism comes from salvation. Baptism is the follow-up out of salvation. It's not as though we're saved because we go through some religious ceremony. This is about the salvation that has already come. Now, the, the question that I think is, is reasonable then is, well, then why is this important at all? I mean, if you're saying, Cameron, this isn't anything to do with salvation. We put our trust in Jesus and we're good. Why are we spending time doing this at all? Well, it's not required, but I think it's important. We see why Jesus, he, Jesus did it. He pointed to his disciples. He said, you do it. And they followed up with it, right? And we see Paul end up getting baptized. And he talked about it. And Paul does a really good job explaining this as he wrote to his church that he had started in the city of Colossae. He wants to explain what this picture of stepping into baptism really looks like. And I think he does a great job of showing why is it important even though it's not required. In Colossians 2.12, he says this, okay? For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. He says the reason why baptism is important is because it's a picture of your story. It's a picture of what God has done in you. That baptism is this picture of the fact that you died to your old life and you became a new life. That when you were baptized, you died to that old life. And listen, this is the picture that we want to draw in your minds today, okay? I don't want you to just watch us put people in this tank and think, okay, cool, there's Jack or whoever that I know. And there he is, okay, and they dunked him and there's wet Jack. Awesome, cool, okay, great, they got him wet. Cool. That's not what we're seeing. This is a representation of what Jesus has done in our life. And it, what he's saying is, he says, it's more like this. It's like as you come into this water, you're your old self. You represent that old life that you used to be. And then the, the pastor or the teacher or the, the whoever, they take and they push that person under the water. And it's almost like they hold that person there until they stop kicking and they die. Now, we're not doing that today, okay? So if you're, if you're getting baptized and you just got really nervous where you're like, wait a second, don't worry, we're not doing it today. But that's the picture he's saying. He says, it's like when you went into the waters, it's almost like you were buried. Like you were held underneath there and that old person died. And then after that, all of a sudden, as the pastor finally let you up, you came back up and it was a brand new person. Friends, as we watch people get baptized today, we're not seeing somebody just get wet. We're seeing an old life end. And all of a sudden, as they come up out of this water, we are seeing the first breath of a new life. First breath of a new life. That's the picture. That's the picture he wants us to give, that we died with Christ in our baptism, and then we were raised from the dead with him as we come out of the water. So that's why we celebrate. It's like finding out that there's like a new, a new person in your family, right? Like, there's going to be a new baby, and you're like, ah, we all scream, right? That's what it's like. It's a brand new life that comes out of it. Now, so he says, it's kind of about your story, but this is what's cool too, though. He kind of steers it right after this. That was Colossians 2.12, but listen what he says in 13 through 15 as he continues. 
He says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it all away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So here's the deal. Baptism is about you, but he follows up and Paul says, it's about you, but it's not really about you. You see, it's about our story, about the fact that we were lost and we were dead and and that old person died and it's new life. But see, here's the cool part about baptism and what it celebrates. It's about our story, but we're not the hero of our story. Jesus is. We're not the hero. The story isn't about how we were so good and we did the right things and all of a sudden we're headed in a new direction. It's the idea that we were lost in our sin. We were dead. Jesus found us. Jesus rescued us. Jesus is the hero of my story. When you celebrate the new life I have, it's not celebrating something I did. It's celebrating how great Jesus is. And that's another reason why we cheer because for a lot of us we realize that's what Jesus does. He's in the rescue business. He's in the salvation business and taking somebody who's lost and far away and bringing them home to where they truly belong. Friends, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and that's why we celebrate baptism. So the question is, where do you sit in regards to baptism? What I'm going to do is, is I'm gonna, we want to find out which of these four chairs do you sit in? And I'm going to use uh, a terminology I want to clarify for you to make sure you know what it is. I'm going to say the word saved, okay? And when I say the word saved, sometimes people will say, like, that seems like this weird, like, old phrase or some sort of weird, like, old religious word. It's not. It means rescued, saved, rescued. And that's exactly the picture that we have for us who have met Jesus. It's like we were driving towards a cliff or we were walking towards a cliff and all of a sudden God chased us down and stopped us before we went over the cliff. He rescued us before we destroyed ourselves. So when we say saved, it's a perfectly eloquent way to say it, right? Like we were headed in the wrong direction and he saved me. He got out in front of me. He saved me. He stopped me before I destroyed my own life. So as I say this, that's what I mean when I say the word saved. Not some sort of religious person. Not some sort of person who has all their faith figured out. Not somebody, oh, that, you're talking about somebody who's like a really solid Christian who has this figured out. Nope. Talking about somebody who's just rescued by Jesus. Just as much of a sinner still struggling. Doesn't have everything figured out about their faith. Just rescued when I say the word saved, okay? So one of four spots, I want you to find out which one are you. I need you to find out which one are you because it's going to dramatically affect where you're going. And now I get to sit down. (laughs) Terrific. Ah, that's good. All right, this is seat one. And seat one, for people who are sitting in this seat, this is somebody who is not saved, not baptized. Okay? Not saved, not rescued, not baptized. Okay? If you sit in this chair and you say, that's me. Okay? Awesome. I am so thankful that you're here. So thankful. This place was built for you. Not built for people who we're going to talk about in a little bit. You think this must be, this is a church, this is built for people who know Jesus, who are rescued, who are saved, right? Nope. This church was built for this chair. In fact, every weekend when we set up these chairs, guess what chair we're setting up? We're setting up chair one, friends. These chairs, these are chair ones. They're meant to be a place where somebody says, don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not baptized, haven't done any of that religious stuff, where you can come in and you can feel comfortable to be here and say, I am just as welcome as anyone else to explore my faith and figure out what I believe. That's what this church was built for. So if you're here and you sit in this chair, 
you are welcome to sit with us. You are welcome to explore with us, to check out your faith and explore it. I hope you feel comfortable here. But here's the challenge I have for you, okay? My challenge for you, if you sit in chair one, talk to somebody who's been baptized. Talk to somebody who's been baptized and ask them about why they did it. Because I often find that people who sit in this chair, they have a tendency to think, well, I'm this person. I'm not like those people. I mean, those are those kind of people who, you know, uh, saved and Jesus and church. That's not me. I'm this kind of person. But listen, what I find is amazing is you talk to people who've been baptized and you realize they're just like me. They're not really any different. Just another person like me. And you, you realize they like the same things I do. They live in the same area I do. They do the basic same things that I do in my life. But then you get to Jesus and you say, but, but why were you baptized? And they go, man, let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. And all of a sudden you realize that it's not some sort of like weird certain type of person that has a relationship with Jesus. It's just average people like you and me. That they've had that experience, they've done it. And listen, I would just say for you, don't be the person who walks through your entire life and never asks a question. What makes me so sad is people who sit in this chair and they can spend 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years and never once wonder about what might happen in those other chairs. Don't be so narrow-minded. Open up and ask somebody about what their experience is because you might find out that actually you're just like them. Maybe you just haven't had the same experience they have yet. So if you're in chair one, that is your, your homework, your assignment. All right, chair two. Chair two. Saved, rescued by Jesus, okay? Not baptized. Saved, not baptized, okay? If you sit in this chair, okay, you've taken that step, you are saved, okay? Don't let anyone tell you, first of all. Some of people say that, oh, if you're not baptized, I don't know if you're actually making it to heaven. Listen, if you're in this situation, you're good. The only thing that rescues us from our eternity, steers us towards God, is what Jesus did. So you're good. You're going to heaven. If you were to die today, you know where you're going. You know you're set in regards to this. But I would ask you this question, why haven't you been baptized? Why not? What is it that's holding you back from taking that step? Because it's, I know it's not required, but Jesus asked you to do it. And listen, this is step one of a thousand steps of obedience that you're going to need to take in your faith. There's like a thousand times in your faith where you're going to feel as though when you read through the Bible or when Jesus and the Spirit speaks to you, that you feel like you're supposed to do something and you go, yeah, but do I have to? And God says, no, but do you trust me? Do you trust me that I told you that this is what you should do next? Because if you do, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you take that step? Why wouldn't you step out in faith and, and be baptized? Because I said this is what you should do. If you're in this situation, my challenge would be to you is, is ask why. What's the situation? Why wouldn't you step out in faith? And listen, sometimes people say, well, you know, it's just about my, why would I need to go up there and do all that? You know, I know, what, I know what's going on in my heart. I know my faith. And I would say, I totally get it. Listen, Christianity is, is definitely a personal faith, but Christianity is not a private faith. Amen. Let me say that again, okay? Christi- Christianity, it's a, it's a personal faith, but it's not a private faith. God tells us that he says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. 
If I've rescued you, you're going to look different. People are going to notice you're, there's, there's something different about you. People are going to notice how you talk. You're going to mention Jesus because of him doing the stuff that he does in your life. You're going to talk about it. People are going to go, oh, it's weird. You're going to have issues where you actually can't be private about your faith. You're going to share it with other people. Of course, you're also going to be inspired to tell other people about the fact that if they were to take this step in their life, it would radically affect their life for the better. You love people enough that you're, you're leaning into them and saying, man, you need to explore this area of your life because this could radically transform your life like it did mine. So I would say baptism, as much as anything else, this might be your step to realize you need to go public with your faith. Baptism is that sign of saying, listen, I want everybody to know, no playing it close to the chest anymore, right? None of that, okay? Listen, I now officially have switched teams. I play for Team Jesus. Yeah, I used to play for that team. Yeah, I used to, not anymore. I switch teams. I play for Team Jesus now. He's the one who I bat for, right? And all of a sudden, you're taking that step and making sure everyone knows, hey, I'm not embarrassed to stand up and and even be dunked in front of a crowd to say, that person loves Jesus. Jesus has changed their life. If you sit in this chair, your homework, okay? One, you can get baptized this fall. We're doing another baptism service this fall. It's already planned. I can give you the date. You can plan for it. You can get your family here. You can do all that. Or two, if you want to, even better, you can get baptized today. 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 Hey, um, Cameron, I didn't, Cameron, I didn't bring a change of clothes. Cameron, I didn't bring a towel. Guess what? <laughs> we have bags already pre-made with new shirts, with new towels, with new shorts. They're already here. We already got you covered. Anything you think, oh, but yeah, but what about, we got you covered. Trust me, no matter what it is, if you think, oh, but what, we got you covered. It's here. We have it in a bag, in back. And at the end of the service, you can get up, you can walk out the back. Angie is back there. She will catch you. She can get you set up. You can get changed. You can come back up here and you can get baptized today. Last night, we had two people get baptized on the spot, on the spot. Get up. That I need to be baptized. So do it. Do it. Take that step of faith. Go ahead. Go through it. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of times too, where they're in this situation and it's family issues and it's, oh, and it's what will my family say and oh, and it's this. And listen, I totally get that. But you have to also do you and you have to be obedient to what God says. Okay? There's other times where I get, you're not being disrespectful, but you also need to follow what God asks you and you need to just follow through sometimes and say, listen, I know this might create waves, but I need to be faithful to what Jesus is asking me to do and take that step of faith, okay? All right, chair number three, you might be in, okay? Not saved, but baptized. Let me say that. Not saved, not rescued, but baptized, It might be possible that you saw something like this or, you know, earlier on in your life, you took this step because you thought this was going to change something. You thought maybe this religious ceremony would change my standing with God. Maybe your parents, when you were really, really young, they had you baptized. And to be honest with you, I think they did it for a great reason. They were hoping that you would follow after Jesus. And it was just a prayer. Please, God, would you bring this kid to follow after you? But listen. Paul talked about it. Just getting dunked in some water, whether we're a baby or whether we're an adult, that doesn't change anything. This isn't holy water, friends. This is city of LaSalle water. Okay? (laughs) Nothing special. Nothing special. If you were the person who who got baptized, maybe earlier on, you did this as some sort of religious ceremony, and listen, I think you probably did it with the right intentions at the time. You thought, oh, maybe this would do something. But just simply getting dunked in water, all it did was get you wet. 
It didn't change anything about your heart or anything with that. You have to actually make that heart change where you put your trust in Jesus. That's what changes the scenario between you and God. So if you're in this situation, you've been baptized, what I would say to you honestly, what you need to realize is you're actually in chair one. In fact, some of you, when you came in here and they brought these out and I started talking and I said, there's four chairs that you might sit in. You're really OCD like me and it annoyed you that two of these chairs were the same. You're like, if there's four chairs, why are two of them the same? That's ridiculous. Cameron didn't think this through. It's the same chair. Chair one and chair three are the same chair. It's no different. Nothing changed just because you got wet in a baptism tank. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you're actually sitting in chair one. And you have the same responsibility. Would you talk to somebody who's been baptized and ask them, Why did you get baptized? Because maybe you'll realize as they talk about what Jesus has done in their life, you go, that's what I was missing. Yeah, I got baptized because I thought that was going to change something. I realize what you're talking about is, is all the work that Jesus did in your life. That's what I was missing. And you can take that step. You can take that step and you can believe. Last chair. Somebody who is saved, rescued, right? And baptized. Okay, awesome. If you sit in this chair tonight... Today, welcome to the starting line. Not finish line. Some of you guys think this is it. Like this, we try to get to chair four, right? And this is it. We're done now, man. I'm saved. I'm baptized. I'm good with God. I'm going to heaven. Story's over, right? Wrong. Welcome to the starting line. This is the starting position for the rest of your life. For the rest of your calling. For the rest of what God has for you. It's not about just getting saved and then baptized. What is it that God has for your life? Who are you supposed to reach? Who are you supposed to help lead towards God? Who, how are you supposed to change the world to bring God more glory? You are beginning the process of everything else that comes after this for the rest of your life. If you're sitting in chair four, okay? Welcome to the starting line. Where are we going to go from here, right? Now, I can tell you this. If you're sitting in this chair, man, you're set. But let me tell you this. If you're sitting in this chair today, when we do baptized, when we do baptism, baptized, when we do baptized, (laughs) spoken too much, when we do baptism, you're going to be the ones who lose your mind and shout louder than anyone else. You know why? Because you remember what it was like to be in chair one. There might be people who are here who are guests or maybe people who are at the beginning of this, they're still sitting in chair one and they think this is all just silly. But for you, who you've been rescued and then you've been baptized and you're walking in this, when you see someone get baptized, it blows your mind because you remember that feeling. You remember what it was like to sit in chair one and to be so terrified You remember what it was like to sit in chair one and you remember those nights that you went to bed and you laid there with your eyes open and you thought, who am I? I'm disgusted by who I am. I hate this life. And you remember feeling so lost and so far away and just wondering, is there any point to this life? Should I even wake up tomorrow? And then Jesus found you right where you were. And he reached in and he rescued you from that spot you were. He didn't come in and talk to you about all the stuff that was messed up in your life. You knew that stuff was messed up in your life. No one had to tell you about that, did they? 
I often talk to people, people who are sitting in chair one, I don't have to convince them that they're sinners. They're like, oh, I know. I know I'm a sinner. That's not the problem, right? But what amazed you is there was a God who loved you enough that he says, oh, I know. Oh, I know. None of that's hidden. I love you so much. I have a better plan for your life. Would you come with me? Would you follow me? Would you trust me? And he guided you back home to the place that you were meant to be from day one. You just lost your path. You were off path for so long. So when you see people get baptized today, you lose your mind. You lose your mind and you shout like crazy because you remember what God did in your life and you remember what, what it feels like to be in that position and you're celebrating with those people. And if you're sitting in this chair, one more thing I'd love to bring to you and please, would you just consider as you think about what's next for your life, what God's calling you to, where you're going, would you consider this? What if this was your life calling? What if your life calling was watching people move from chair one to chair four? I don't think we need a more complex calling than that. God might specifically steer you to a place or towards a direction. But listen, what if we just made our calling? I'm in the business of seeing people move from chair one to chair four. Seeing friends, seeing family, seeing people who I know who are lost, meeting Jesus and stepping into the place where they trust Jesus with their life and they walk into obedience. And if that's the case and you're ready to step into it, that's why we have a church like we do. The reason why we pull all our energy together is because we put our effort together, we put our money together, we put our our energy together, and we reach out into the community and we reach people in chair one and we say that God has something far greater for you. Listen, Acts, we're in the business of seeing people move three chairs to the left. That's our calling. Our calling is no more complex than this. Why are you here? We're here to see people move three chairs to the left. That's it. God changing their life Man, taking them to a new place, to a new calling. So, which chair do you sit in today? Which chair do you find yourself in? Worship team, come out here, help me wrap this up. Are you a chair one, a chair two, chair three, or chair four? What are you going to do? I would love to give you an opportunity to respond today. And here's what I'd love. Would you just do me a favor? Would you close your eyes for one second? Bow your head just for a second. Give the person next to you just a moment of space. So it's just everyone kind of having their own moment with God. But I want to ask you this. If you are a person who sits in chair one, maybe you need to go and you need to talk to somebody who's been baptized. But maybe also today, as you heard this, you, you got it. You realized it for the first time ever that that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to rescue you from your sin. It made sense. You understand it and you realize the fact that it's not some sort of religious thing. This is just putting my trust in Jesus. I don't have everything figured out, but I would be willing to take a step of faith and, and to ask Jesus, would you please come into my life? Would you please forgive me of my sins as you said you wanted to? I gladly ask you, invite you into my life to start walking towards you and seeing where you would take this life because I, I don't like where I've even steered it, to be honest with you. There's a lot of stuff that's messed up. I need you to come into my life and forgive me of these things. Of course, I've, I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. I've done these things. I need you to come in and step into my life. And if that's you, listen, like I said, you don't have everything figured out about your faith, but you're willing to take a step of faith. If it's you, I just want to do this. I'm going to count to three. You just shoot your hand over your head. No one's looking around. I just want to see your hand so I can pray for you. If it's you, you can feel it's you right now that you want to take this step. One, two, three. Go ahead, shoot up your hands if it's you. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, shoot them up if it's you. I see you back there. Anybody else today? It's not too late. 
Awesome. Go ahead, put down your hands. Let's all pray this together. We're going to pray this prayer. If you've prayed this prayer before, would you pray with those who are praying it for the very first time? Say this prayer out loud. It's just a simple prayer that's going to guide our hearts towards this direction. Would you pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. Please become the king of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For the rest of you, what we want to do is we want to celebrate together. Would you do me a favor? Would you jump up on your feet? What we're going to do is we're going to jump back into one song to get us pumped up, to get us ready. If you're getting baptized, go ahead, head out back, come back around. If you're getting spontaneously baptized tonight and you realize today's the day, I need to do this. Head out back. Angie will catch you. We'll take you around. In a second, we will celebrate together. But let's get pumped up for baptism together with this song. Thank you.